Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we've had uh, some time off here over the last few days. Uh, for the holidays, David, I know you did silent disco and you were at the beach. How was time with the family uh, doing those activities? It, it, this is going to sound worse than it was gonna, I mean it to be, but <laughs> there is really something. I mean this in a good way. There's, uh, there's just something magical when my, my two brothers and I get together, with, especially with our wives and kids. The kids all love each other. They're all about the same age, <laughs> 20, I think between 20 and 22, everyone. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's six of them. And they just have the best time with each other. My brothers are very much like me, probably better looking, smarter, younger, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but we have the same personality. We, we sound the same. And so the kids just have a fucking blast. And Silent Disco, we had a good meal first. Silent Disco is so fun. Uh, <laughs> and um, my wife shot a lot of, secretly shot a lot of video. It's completely G-rated, but it's hysterical. I would never reveal it. I'm not the funniest one. But um, what's nice was afterwards, when we left the beach, we came here. And um, my daughter and I are watching. My daughter got laid into the the Marvel movie things Mm -hmm. that my son and I did. I I was a dumbass. I I think it was six or seven when I took him to Iron Man, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is probably not the best thing. I know there'd be guns. Um, He survived it and then became Marvel fans with me. And then... Uh, she came around later, but she and I, are we've done a couple of the Godzilla King Kong movies. Oh, nice. And so Apple TV has a new show called, I think, Monarch Legacy mm-hmm. of Monsters. Mm-hmm. It's outstanding. Not a whole lot of monsters yet. Very well done. We're having a blast watching it at late at night. And um, Max and I watched a little Hard Knocks last night. Oh. Uh, because, you know, he's he's getting more into the, the bigger picture view of sports, not just the team side. And um not just the player side. And mm-hmm. it's a good show. I like, you know, the, I like the head coach of the Dolphins a lot. And I don't want, know any of the players. Ty, Tyreek Hill, I had no clue about him. My son's <laughs> teaching me some of this stuff because he pays attention. But no, it's been, it's been great. And then also just seeing them with their mom. Yeah. And my yeah. mom and, and their, their other Nana. Yeah. How about you? Good times, man. We we had some uh, company over and shared some delicious wine, courtesy of Coach David Thorpe. Uh, the wines are, are a big hit. They were uh, delicious. And it was really just, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, just storytelling and just hanging out with folks and, you know, disconnecting from your everyday yeah. work life, right? Which, and, you know, David, you talk about it all the time. I do. We're very fortunate that we get to do this for a living, right? Like, we really, we love basketball, and we, right? Most people don't have that, right? They have to do jobs they generally don't like and for a variety of reasons, right? We're very, very fortunate. So I don't ever want to sound like, oh, poor me. I have to talk about basketball or watch basketball all the time. It's pretty fucking awesome. But it was nice to uh, just, you know, not worry about that, spend time with uh, friends and talk to family. And it was just great, man. Like, you know, just really, really enjoyable. I caught the Christmas Day games, of course. Um, That was exciting. Um, You know, you talked talked about hard knocks. I've said this forever. The NBA needs the same kind of show. Um, you know, that that would be wonderful because that the NBA's athletes, as we talked about on that uh that call that call we had with Ben Arrington that we published into an article. Yeah. NBA athletes are among the major North North American sports, the most popular by far. It ain't even close. And so what that's telling me is, is that fans have an appetite for what these guys are doing and saying. And so yeah, let's let's promote that. Uh, we have a special uh, episode coming out on Monday um, 
on New Year's Day that uh, I'll tease for you guys now. It's around uh, trash talk, and a book was written um, by a great author, uh, Rafi Cohan. Uh, we hope you guys really enjoy that show. But there's so much of that element to getting into these guys' personalities, right? And that's what you know for so many people is what draws them in, right? Like David, this is what he do for a living. You coach players on how to win possession. So the basketball is the most important part. But for a lot of casual fans, the players are these actors on these TV shows, for lack of a better term, and they want to know all about them. So it'd be awesome uh, if the NBA leaned into that a little bit more. You know, it's I wasn't necessarily going to say this, but you just gave me a perfect segue. Um, I, so I was in St. Pete Beach, which is about 45 minutes south of us, and depending on the traffic, it could be a little less. And um, uh, this was on the 23rd, so Saturday the 23rd. <clears throat> and my brother, one of my brother brothers, uh, Mike, and his wife, Amy, uh, they're both radiologists, and they're, they live in Miami. They drove up, uh, and they stayed at a really fancy hotel down there, right by where our condo that we rented was staying was at. And you know, during the day, the games were going on the twenty none of the twenty third, the twenty fourth mm-hmm. was off. You know, a bunch of players call me, and I can't just blow their calls off on game days and stuff. I don't blow their calls off. So there was a few different times where Amy, my sister in law, who I've known since she was in college. <laughs> I mean, she's been married to my brother 26 years now. Um, uh, she heard me talking to these players on the phone. And she's also heard me when I've been in Miami visiting because I stay at their house when I go to Miami. And and then her husband, my brother, just had dinner with me and two players recently. And so I'm sure he filled her in on how that night went. And she said to me after uh, a particular – that night, actually, we were out. I didn't watch any games that night. I followed some online. But to your point – I, I could t- I took a night off because there were no games the next day. Mm-hmm. I could catch up on everything on Synergy that next morning on the 24th. And so she heard me talking to them and she said, she said to me, she said, David, is it maybe the case that like these guys just don't have anyone to talk to that really understands them and what they're going through? And maybe that's why, you know, you have this success or well-known or uh, well-respected or whatever. I, I told her, I, I don't really know what, what the answer is, but I suspect that's what it is uh, because they're human beings like everyone else. But they're as almost as rare. I mean, how many radiologists are there just in Pinellas County? Right. You know, there are very, very few NBA players on a global scale. It's one of the single most rare jobs you could have in anything. You know, uh, I mean, there's, there's probably not 400 plus movie stars, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. bet there's 400 plus TV movie celebrity stars. Mm-hmm. For sure. They're, there's 200 some odd guys, you know, playing a lot in the NBA. And, um, man, they've got a lot of insecurities. They have a lot of obstacles to overcome. They have physical, mental, emotional things to deal with all the time, all the time. They also have the roller coaster of the league, the games that some coaches play, like a coach who puts you in for the last 29 seconds of a game or 45 seconds when you haven't played at all, as if that's a favor. Right. So just to go stand there where the other team just dribbles the ball out. Like, what do you, I don't think they were doing anything necessarily by it. Maybe they were. There's, there's the rookies trying to take your job. There's the old guys don't want to give up their job. There's, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're a star, there's uh, the pressure. You know, Luca's under enormous pressure, all these guys, all the time to perform. And I get it. Like, they, they, you know, they get ridiculed by a lot of people if they don't get 30, you know, nine and seven every night. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other ones who are trying to work their way up. It's 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 really listen, uh Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I'm sure you know, 
Mm-hmm. He talks about, and there's a lot of guys like him, scientists I've read and studied over the years who talk about how hard life is, period. Okay, well, it's no different for them. They just have more money. So they don't have to worry about bills necessarily. They got plenty of other things to worry about. And, uh, and then they have to really go perform on the court and win possessions. That's it. They got to win possessions because we now have advanced metrics. Thank you, mm-hmm. smart nerds out there. Thank you. <laughs> because it's super valuable, Gerard. Yeah. To to not to not just trash the guy that that has the fancy dunks and makes some threes. We used to praise those guys based on raw numbers, and now we have a much better. I think uh, we have much more data to understand who really is helping win and lose games. Mm-hmm. And uh, those guys deserve the praise they get, the money they get. Uh, it doesn't always come in pretty packages, you know. Yeah. No, this I love that that you went there because. This is so much about what I want to talk about today, yeah. Um, and we'll get into that shortly. Uh, we've got a couple Ask Coach Thorpe questions. Um, this is from uh, Daryl Wills, who uh, is a longtime listener and always Dar- who is it? Daryl Willis. Daryl Wills. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wills. Okay. So thank you so much, Daryl, for sending in a question. Um, this first one, David, is why is Austin Reeves coming off the bench? Is he not the Lakers' third best player? And why is D'Lo still in the starting lineup? Well, the answer to the first question is no. But the answer to the second question player. is no. No, Austin Reeves has been a disaster this year. He has been. Yeah, you put, in, you put in the document, but I looked him up recently. He's been bad. He's just been a bad player, especially defensively. And so he, he asked about D'Angelo Russell too? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Like well, Russell starting D'Lo. Well, well, both those guys are really bad on defense. I think Austin Reeves is right now metrically worse. He is in the number. He's in the first percentile for defensive right. EPM. Which so is 99 bad. plus percent of the league is yeah. higher than him. Correct. Um, D'Lo is a better offensive player. D'Lo is a great offensive player. He's really very, yeah. special, special. All-star, offensive former all-star. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, first of all, I should qualify any statement by saying, Darwin Ham's the head coach. And I'm sorry. I'm rooting for you, Darwin. There's no reason to think you won't figure stuff out. I do not believe that you have. I, I listened to, um, I, I drove, my mother-in-law lives in an independent living facility. She's 85. She is living there despite just having knee surgery. She came and live with us while she was recovering. She's doing amazing, but she can't stay up too late. So I drove her home from my sister-in-law's where we had Christmas dinner. And as I dropped her off, uh, we looked at some lights. We have some, in my neighborhood, we have some pretty, like everyone's got an acre of land. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. of these people really take advantage of it with nice. the most absurd Christmas lights you've ever seen. Which like is like Christmas vacation? <laughs> yeah. really? Oh, like 100%. <laughs> way more. Because the yard, it's not just the house. Yeah. This acre of land is, I mean, one of our neighbors has, oh, at least 150 things. Gigantic Santa Clauses and Grinches. It's hilarious. People are driving by my neighborhood nonstop till midnight or later because they, yeah. they have signs in the county telling you where mm-hmm. to go. Whatever. So um, I, sh- I drove my mother-in-law around that, my mom. And, um, and then on the way, after I dropped her off, she lived six minutes from me. Uh, I, I listened to the end of the Lakers game. And it was the Lakers, there was ESPN, I think, NBA radio, NBA radio, mm-hmm. but it was the Lakers, you know how they, they just borrow, yep. they pirate yep. someone's yep. station. The feed. And this mm-hmm. was the Lakers, right, they're not doing their own people on NBA TV, NBA uh, radio. So it was the Lakers broadcast crew. I think it was Michael Thompson, I think, I think, and I'm not sure uh, who the other one was. Um, and to hear them with four minutes to go saying like, hey, we just got to get some stops here and we're going to be all right. And Three possessions straight scoring, four possessions straight scoring. <laughs> they started laughing almost like, well, I guess we're not going to get stops in this game. 
and they're not calling Darwin out, nor should Darwin only be the one responsible, but they just haven't been able to uh, replicate what they did the year they won the championship in, in Orlando. And, and the average Laker hater loves to talk about how there wasn't really a championship because it was in a bubble. They, they conveniently forget that team dominated defensively all season. This team does not. As good as AD was in that game and as good as LeBron's been all year, uh, they've not been able to put things together. So my guess is that it relates to D'Lo and Austin. You can't have them on the court together, really. And I guess they feel like they need uh, – uh, D'Lo's a good shooter. I bet 38-plus percent from three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's valuable spacing-wise for – and an organizer, too, for LeBron and AD on the court at the same time. Yeah, no, it's um, outside of the in-season tournament, really, right? Like the Lakers haven't really played that well. They, they, they cranked it up during that in-season tournament in group stage and in the knockout round. They were phenomenal, but hasn't hasn't been really the rest of the regular season. Yeah, both both teams that made the finals have uh, have not been good. Uh, Pacers just mm-hmm. got a big win in Houston, mm-hmm. but had not had not. I think they won two games since the tournament yep. finals. So, um, yeah. It's uh, I don't think that's the reason, by the way. No, uh, it, it, but it's something to notice that uh, it was just tournament and Lakers play great, but they've not been able to manufacture. Well, it again. well, I imagine the psychology of it. Right, David, like you get amped up because we're going to try to win this thing. And the Lakers, in their case, they want it. The Pacers got to the got to the championship game. And then because it's human nature, it's a letdown after that. Right. It's like, well, we want we won the thing. And now it's just Tuesday is a regular old regular season game. Something I've kind of come up with over the years is the idea that uh, it's okay to be arrogant as a player, but you can't be both arrogant and casual. So an example of that would be, uh, I, I don't follow football too much, but I know who Nick Saban is. And, and Nick Saban probably has a, a very fairly earned degree of arrogance. He's the best college football coach of all time. I think that's inarguable. I'm not a fan, by the way, at all. <laughs> that is data. You can't, I don't think anyone can argue that. Best of all time. Uh, but I don't think he's casual about it, right? He knows he's better than everybody, and then he outworks you. Those are really scary people to compete against because they know they're better than you. There's mm-hmm. confidence to give them courage. Like, he's the guy that benched who's one of the best NFL quarterbacks in the NFL, in the NFL now mm-hmm. in, on behalf for, of Tua, mm-hmm. who's a, like a freshman from Hawaii, mm-hmm. who's a pretty good player himself, and won a championship because of it, Right. So there's an, there's an arrogance, like, I can do anything and we can find a way to win. But he's not casual about details. He's super detail-oriented. And I think that is not typical of the average human. And so Pacers, Lakers, we can't be beat. We're rolling. We're as good as anyone. Well, if you're casual about details, you're going to get swamped. Yeah, yeah, you're seeing it. Uh, second question uh, from Daryl, and this is going to tie into uh, our next discussion about winning players. He wants to know, so what is Derek White doing now that he wasn't doing earlier in his career? That's the first part of the question. So let's let's answer that. What do you think Derek White's doing now that he wasn't doing early in his career? Well, to be fair, uh, he's playing better pretty much everywhere. Uh, um, he's a better shooter. Uh, he's smarter. I think he's 29. And 20, 29, uh, th- yeah. there are so so there are some players who hit their peak before that. Because they're, the best part of their game is based on sheer, overwhelming athleticism. Uh, that is not normal, though. And so it's my opinion that, especially in today's world, if you really take care of your body right and you get your own personal people to help and all of that, and the franchise does their thing, 
29 is absolutely a, a chance for you to be at your peak. Your body still moves as well as it ever has. Maybe not quite as explosively, but that's fine. And who, who, who cares if you lay it up instead of dunk it mostly? Right. It doesn't matter. And yet your mind is a thousand times better. Thousand, not a thousand, but a hundred times faster and better. Really, it is that much. And so he's already an elite defender. Uh, he values winning over me. Right? I, I don't want to win for me. I want us to win. And so we're going to make a play for us. Uh, the way he screen navigates, the way uh, defensively, the way he reads the game offensively. Uh, uh, he's also, this is really strange. He's an excellent rim protector. Last time I looked, despite being a guard. So, so he's not going to block a seven-footer shot. But you're going to struggle to score against him if you're about his size. And also, he can bully you a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And, it, and there's, a, there's a competitive, people don't know this about Derek White, I don't think. There's a competitive streak about him. I've watched games with him where, a player has scored on him, which he takes very personally, by the way. <laughs> Not, I don't mean like I'm helping and recovering. No, he just right. bullied you and scored. And Derek, was, Derek White came right down. This happened twice in a game I saw this year. He came right down. Boop, 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 bucket. Like, who are you, Derek White? You're not, what are you doing? But he was just showing the younger guy, like, hey, Cat, I can do this too. But I got Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown over here and KP. But I don't think I'm going to let you just, you know, take me for a fool and not burn your ass. Mm-hmm. I love that about him. Uh, he has great running mates too. Uh, not just the talented guys, but having Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I can only imagine if it, I would not be surprised if their wives, if he's married, I don't know if he's married. I think he is. If the four of them went out sometimes and just said, mm-hmm. and had a bet, who will be noticed first and who'll be noticed <laughs> last and how long with the over under right. when someone's going to recognize us. Right. Drew's probably a little more noticeable, even in, in Boston, uh, definitely in Boston. But um, uh, but I think that feeds them a little bit, Gerard. You know, like, like let's yeah. motherfucking kill everybody. Yeah. There is, you often say, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking yeah. the path. And I feel like Derek White is walking the path um, and has yeah. been really for the last couple of years. But David, this year, he is seventh in estimated plus minus. Yeah, and it isn't just... All NBA player. I'm just going to say, it isn't just, okay, defense is... It's both. He is like 95th percentile and higher in both offense. He is an all NBA guard. Like there's no, there's no two ways about it. Like he makes it. And it had me thinking about winning players and what you do for a living, which is teaching particularly young guys. You ain't going to get any playing time if you don't know how to win possessions. And the casual fan, David, only thinks about scoring and the defense. You can see a block shot at the rim or a steal. Yeah. But there's so much more to it than that. And you watch someone like Derek White, when he decides to pick up three-quarter court on a, on, a, on a guard, on a lead ball handler, bringing the ball up court. Well, now instead of that team getting their action at 17 seconds on the, sh- on the shot clock, now they're yeah. starting at 14 on the shot clock, which, as we know, statistically, makes your chances of scoring go down the, low, the lower in the clock you go. All these little things that I think happen so fast in a game that if you're not, you do, because this is what you do, you see, you're like, oh, great, great move by Derek here that it's hard for the average person to see and understand. And I was thinking about that, right? Because trade deadlines here or the the trade windows open, the deadlines coming up. And this is not to say these players I'm going to mention right now are bad. They're very good, but everyone's going to talk about Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, right? Everyone who scores a ton of points, which extremely valuable, right? But someone like Derek White's only making, I want to say 10 million a year. No, he's like, I don't know exactly. I I say that. 
I don't he's know. Not making, he's impossible. not making max money is my he's point. Not even close and, to making max money. And he, I mean, he is contributing like a max money player. For sure. So, all right. Let's talk about, um, well, wh- what direction you want to go? You want to talk about what is it, what is it like? Um, what are winning players look like? What are they doing? What, how do you yeah. want to go through this? F- 15 million for, uh, for, for Derek. Yeah, I was th- cool. 15 was the number that hit me. And that seems so low also, That's, by the way. I mean, David, he's giving you $35 million a year production. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> right. How many years left he has in a deal? He's it's, it's, it's just it's, it's a four years. Uh, so this is it's this year, which and it's it averages out. It's four years, seventy. So it's seventeen million this year and eighteen next year. Then he's an unrestricted free agent uh, in okay. twenty twenty five. Yeah, some time to go, but they can extend him that to this year for sure. After, for yeah, sure. you have to have three year or more to get an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Fred Van Vliet's a great example of a guy that is better than the sum of his parts. Typically, very ornery on defense. You know, he's he's not can be casual guarding you. He's not just going to let you make easy passes. If you drive in the lane and think you can make a little dish, his hands are going to be – he's not very wide. uh, Wingspan wise, but he's still going to make plays. Um, I watched him play recently. He's he's incredible at the point of attack with ball screens, rejecting screens, uh, where you think he's going to use the screen. And he he Jedi minds you into thinking he's going to use that screen. And then he doesn't and leaves you Mm kind of, what the hell? And he's not even quick or fast. He's crafty. And there's a body language aspect to it. Uh, and so how do you win possessions? You make the pass you're supposed to make when you're supposed to make it. You set real screens. You ghost with purpose. When you ghost the screen, it means you're brushing off. We used to call them brush screens. Mm-hmm. Now they're calling them ghost screens because you're not even touching anybody. Um, you're doing it with purpose. You're getting there with urgency. Um, you're, you're always first to the floor for loose balls. Not always, but often anyway. One of my favorite things is th- there's two things that happened on a G League game I watched the other day. A uh, young man that I'm helping. If there's a scrum in the air, he if he can't get to it, he's six foot nine, he's a guard. If he can't get to it, he ain't gonna let the other guy get to it. That's a teaching point I've been making to him. If you if, especially on the defensive backwards, because if he gets it, he's just got a layup. So fight for that. If you can't get it, don't let those motherfuckers get it. That's what we say all the time. That's what I say all the time. But the same guy who did a great job of that in the game was, was getting back on defense. He was running, not racing, running. And he was, as the possession began, defensive transition possession, there was a guy who was faster and more athletic than him who was running the lane. And, but he, was a little, he wasn't quite as wide as he should be. And, and the player that I'm talking to was even wider. The ball's in the middle of the court. And so the teaching point there is to race to get in between the ball and the guy on your side so that they can't just make an easy uh, bounce pass or chest pass to the rim. If they throw a lob, that's going to be very tough to get. Although you might be able to get it when you jump, but you also really risk fouling. But if it's on the floor, like a bounce pass or a chest pass, you can deflect it. But you have to feel like if I don't get in between, in that passing lane of ball to player in front of me, I'm gonna, they're going to light my hair on fire. Like it, it has to be that kind of passion. And my guy didn't fight. And so his, the guy got a layup and I got really mad, you know, because it's full, it's, it's easier just to jump around other guys. Now you cannot do that. And then, and then to me, you're not a player. Like when I see that, if you're not willing to, to get elbowed a little bit and get hit, well, we'll go play another sport because you have to be willing to do that. But, but if you do that, but don't race to make sure this guy doesn't get a definite, by the way, the guy that got the layup, 
he's a 40 inch vertical. He, he could have dunked it, probably he chose not to. Um, but he, he was 100% going to score. Well, then you're just fool's gold, man. Fuck you. I didn't, I mean, he's learning. Like, you've got to fucking fight. It's a fight. Do not let him get that. The guys that win game, year after year, the guys that are high in EPM, whatever, they're winning those things. They're doing those things. They value those things. And the best ones, besides doing themselves really well all the time, are inspiring teammates. To do the same. And I love that. I was, I was talking to my son. We were, talk, we were watching Tua. And then we were watching the middle linebacker for the Dolphins, who's the second second string, first string got hurt, and, and how much talking they're doing. And my son was saying, that's just, he's saying to me as if, I don't know, man, that just seems so valuable. Like, if you can't talk, you can't be a quarterback in the NFL. Like, hello, correct. <laughs> it's not a whole lot different as point guard. You've got to be able to energize. It's not just passing to people. You've got to, you, your voice is a muscle, you know, it's a tool you can use. And so uh, you have a list of guys we can talk about them if you want. Yeah. That, yeah. um, that find ways to impact wins. There's plenty of them in the league and they're super valuable. And I love those guys. Find ways to help your team win games. Yeah. And again, I think those things, again, because of the way that basketball works, one, it's a very fast-paced game. Two, what media companies like House of Highlights and ESPN prioritize, right? And Henry talks about this all the time. We pay the dude who scores a bunch of points and who looks awesome doing it, right? That is what we focus on. And look, yep. as just someone who enjoys sport and amazing feet, Watching somebody trick off and get 30 is super incredible and awesome to watch. But that's one thing, right? There are all these other things that help you win possessions. And I was just looking at guys, as I mentioned, again, love Mitchell and Levine. Like, they're very valuable people and can help teams win for sure. But there are other guys who people probably are like, oh, who's that guy? Like, and you don't, because they don't score 20, you're like, is that person even good? Uh, one of our favorites, Alex Caruso, right? A guy who can shoot 38%. I think he's shooting from three this year. Um, and Nearly guards. And then guards gets up into your shit. Like, again, in that way where if I'm – and it's, again, this won't show up on the stat line. But if he's forcing that lead ball handler now to either pick up his dribble or push them later into the shot clock to get their offense initiated, that is a win. And it may show up as a missed shot on the end, but – Again, you don't realize, no, the reason why the shot was missed is because it had to be rushed because you didn't get into your action early because Alex Caruso was up this guy's ass at three-quarter court, right? That's the chain reaction that leads. So he's an awesome guy. I know you like him a lot. I love him, and I want to reference something else. I'm so caught up on football right now, but um, uh, not from this show at all. Uh, but I grew up a big football fan. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a Floridian, for crying out loud. We, we and you went to the, went to the University of Florida. You're a Gator, for crying out loud. Yeah, but leave him long <laughs> before that. I mean, I played, I, whatever. Um. I was one of those guys that I love the four-yard run. The four, back then, it was a little bit different then. People didn't pass quite the same. Mm -hmm. Although Dan Fouts did, but most oh, didn't, yeah. right? Yeah, I loved that. I loved Eric Coriel because their best wide receiver was Wes Chandler, who was, went mm -hmm. to Florida long That's before great. I was there, but he was amazing. Um, uh, the four-yard run. The, the, that's why I say Emmitt Smith's best running back of all time. I don't care. Barry Sanders had a bunch of touchdowns. Emmitt had more. Um, four yards. Keep getting four yards. Because guess what? Three of them, you got a first down. And you got three more plays to make, make something happen, right? The blocking that's required, the read from the quarterback that's required, that's the nuts and bolts of the game, the fundamentals of the game back when I would watch it. I don't watch it now. Uh, Caruso, and, and some of the other guys on your list, but let's say Alex Caruso, um, he's like the king of the four-yard game. Um, he, he, what you like to run is not going to be nearly as effective over time 
when he's involved because he's just going to throw your timing off. He's just going to make it the, the, the guy with the ball a little bit more uncomfortable. And so maybe he doesn't deliver the pass right when he needs to, or maybe he holds on the ball a little second longer before he shoots it or releases it a second, half a second before he normally releases it because the pressure Alex put on him. And so he's lowering your efficiency, right? Uh, an example I give all the time to ride to players. I just had a player ask me a few months ago, he plays overseas in the ACB. And he stayed home on a corner shooter, the best shooter in the league in the ACB. He was guarding. And he had basically allowed a guy to kind of drive in and get a, a uncontested layup. And I, I, he kind of said his coaches want that. And I said, well, listen, your coaches are stupid. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, well, Alex, I, I said to the player, what, what is this kid shooting from three? From the corner. And he said, he said maybe 45%. I said, let's call it 50%. Let's say 50% of the time he's making that shot. So if you give him 10 of those, how many points is he scoring? He said 15. 15. I said, as long as, long as you don't foul him, which right. is really dumb. I said, now, that dude driving to the rim, that 6'3 athlete going to the rim, if he's uncontested, how many layups he's, is he making in 10? 100% of the time. <laughs> right. So he's scoring 20. Like, it's just simple math, right? So Caruso helps change those odds. It's not 10 of 10 because you're not getting the uncontested shot nearly as much. Uh, when I watch players get screened high, uh, which happens sometimes really high and are surprised. The ones that race to get back connected, even though they're behind the offensive player, the offensive player knows they're there. It's in his consciousness. Do I need a hostage dribble? Slow him down and you'll control him with my ass. Do I just speed to the rim? Well, if I speed to the rim, I may not be able to finish as easy because I'm going so fast. And now help is coming. I'm making him think more and maybe force him to do something he isn't normally practicing well or effective at whether he's practicing it or not. That's the effort that you have to give to chase a guy down and stay connected. Uh, uh, which uh, one of the most common things I send Gerard in clips, I think I've done 80 clips already this morning. I just had to close half of them and I couldn't finish by the time we started our show. <laughs> so it's still sitting on my laptop. Um, is, uh, is the guys stunting to help a driver? Are you stunting with purpose so that maybe he'll throw it to your guy, you get a deflection, or are you just kind of mailing it in? If you're just mailing it in, the driver knows you're mailing it in, and he's not thinking about you. you got to get him to think about you. Uh, guys like Caruso make you make, – and there's other ways to do it. For yeah. Alex, he's not going to kill you in the defensive glass. Right. So that's how Alex has to do it to help you. And then he makes threes on the other end. But, it, you know, it's something that you've talked about a lot, which is in basketball – because of the way basketball is, right? Basketball isn't football in that. In football, you can shut a team out, right? That's just the nature of how that yeah. scoring works. Can't do it in basketball. It's not possible. But it's not about shutting out. That's not what it's about. It's to your point. It's decreasing the efficiency and making yeah. the odds less likely. And that requires, to your point, the racing with purpose, the stunting with purpose. Like not and because we've all you watch enough basketball, you all know when someone's doing the fake hustle effort. I'm like, that ain't real. You're pretending like you want to do it, but you're really not giving the actual effort. And I love that you mentioned. Well, the offensive player knows if you're just faking the effort, and they know they can get by you. And they see it on film too. Yeah, I talk about efficiency. I listened to Rick Carlisle the other day talking. His team, he was bragging his team has, has held opponents to less than 120 points four straight games. It seems like a silly thing to boast about, but they lead the league in pace. So their 120 is not the same as a, a Houston's 120, mm-hmm. who they just beat in Houston. Uh, and so because they're, they're getting so many more possessions in these games. And, uh, and so it's, it's all about that. It's just about, you know, uh, I was telling some of this yesterday. Uh, the, there's, there's a player that I was talking to. Couldn't miss from 15 feet. 
the balls were not swishing, it said, but they were going in. Second box jumpers all day. Uh, his three was off. And there was a mechanical thing he was doing wrong with his 15-foot shots, but the ball was still going in. But when he shot the three, that mechanical problem, I thought, was causing a real problem. And I said to him, if I, if I stood 10 feet from you and shot a laser just one millimeter off your left shoulder, okay? This is my left shoulder. And the camera may look right, but it's my left shoulder. Uh, then as it goes by you, the laser beam, uh, it's only a millimeter from you. But if, if, it, if that thing could travel 10 miles, it would be so much more offline, right? 10 miles yep. away than it is right yep. here. Well, that's the difference. That's like 15 foot shot versus three. You're a little offline from 15 feet, but because you're not far away, it still goes in. The extra eight feet, nine feet, 10 feet, now it's missing. Those little things make such a difference. So whatever I can do defensively to change that angle just a little bit more, mm-hmm. it's a huge advantage for me. They're going to make less shots, right? That's so big. Guys, this is this is Coach North's basketball brain. They're getting a little nuances here. A team I know you watched uh, up close and personal uh, recently for the holidays with the Orlando Magic. And I was yeah. thinking about uh, Goga Batazzi. You, you, you talked, I think you wrote about him maybe possibly earlier this year. I don't year. know if or, I wrote about him, but I definitely about talked him about sure. him because he's completely changed his game. He's changed his game. And here's another, here's another player that the casual fan, first of all, I'm not even saying he's available. But if he was available on a trade, that's someone teams are looking for big men. Oh, that's somebody who you go after because he'll help you win possessions. How does Goga help Orlando win possessions? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah this is not about who's available. We don't know. Right. Um, I've already written about the players I think should be available. The Magic will be crazy to trade him. What's oh. ironic about the Magic is when he was in Indiana, he was strictly a three-point shooter. They don't have him shoot threes in Orlando, and they need three-point three point shooting. In fact, in my opinion, they need a five that can shoot threes. Um, Wendell, Carter, uh, Wendell, right. not- um, Wendell Carter Jr. can't do it. So either though he's shooting him, he's not making him. So Goga is really a good drop defender, and I don't think Indiana knew that either. And that's what's interesting, too, about uh, one, one team's trash, another team's treasure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Rick Carl is a Hall of Fame coach, and his team is good. They could use Go-Go right now. Defender, yeah. uh, although I like, I like Isaiah Jackson just fine, mm-hmm. their backup point, their backup five. Um, Goga is ornery. I studied him maybe three weeks ago. Uh, in drop coverage, if you just drop to the rim, and I know you're dropping as the guard, well, I know I'm going to get my little floater, pull-up jumper all day long. If you always aggressively come up, well, then I know I'm going to throw that lob to my rolling big. If I can't read you, if you're giving me mixed signals, well, now I can't commit with the same kind of confidence, and you've created doubt in my head, which is, I think, a big – well, there's a few teaching points I really make a lot to defenders. One is to make players uncomfortable so they think more about you, the guy guarding them, than the other four guys on the court. A lot of turnovers come when I'm so busy worrying about what you're doing to me as a defender that I'm not reading the other four guys. And another way to do it is to create doubt in their minds. So we talk about the opposite offensively is you want to get to a point where you're committing to it and loving it. So I'll ask players all the time, I'll send them a clip. I'll say, I don't love the runner here, but if you love the runner, commit to it. And sometimes I'll write back, you know what? I love that runner. Okay then don't, don't sometimes shoot the runner, sometimes shoot the jumper when the runner is always there. If you love the runner, better shoot it all the time. If you love the jumper, better shoot it all the time. If they make you change it up, well, that's a little harder to do that because you're deciding in the last second. So Goga is, I think he's terrific so far anyway this year as the drop guy 
and making you uncomfortable. And then he's ornery. He's making plays on the ball, making plays in the lob, whatever, uh, and rolling really well offensively, although I think his defensive metrics are much, are better than his offensive mm-hmm. metrics, yep. if I remember mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah, and their and their team collectively is defending too. You yeah, know, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, right? You talk about basketball as jazz. There has to be a way in which those players are doing are connected, right? All four guys are if the point of attack person is doing a thing, right? The drop coverage guy is it, all those things are working in, in synergy together to make the defense difficult, right? That's what's causing the problems. And I think you're seeing that Orlando for sure. I'm love. I mean, Jalen Suggs has been great defensively for them. Like really they're, they're doing, yeah. they're doing some awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. That's, that's my, I haven't, I think Daniel probably gets coach of the year. Chris Finch mm-hmm. is right there. I mean, yeah. yeah. But I, I, as of today, I would lean to Jamal Mosley. Cause uh, I, I mean, I mean, I'm le- they have Shea Gildas on one team in Chet. They've got Anthony Edwards and Cat and Rudy. Uh, uh, I mean, Orlando's got Paolo in his second Paolo. year. Right, who's a second-year player. Franz Wagner in his third year, who was not mm-hmm. doing well until very recently. He's playing better. I, I'd lean towards Jamal Mosley right now. And there's a perfect example, Mosley, of someone who you weren't sure if he was a good coach three years ago. He never done it before. Right, but now yeah. you, but you, so you can get better. It's possible. I'm, well, and I'll tell you this. I... Uh, uh, I pick a Jamal Mosley, not for this reason, but um, I respect him for this. The defensive coordinator for the Magic is a guy named Dale Osborne. Dale mm-hmm. spent, I think, eight or nine years with Terry Stotts in Portland. So Dale Osborne's from Ocala Vanguard, Ocala Vanguard High School in Ocala, Florida. Played at, I want to say, Western Kentucky a long time ago. I say a long time ago because he and I were coaching against each other <laughs> when we were in our early 20s. He's a couple years older than me. I bet he's, I bet he's my guess is he's 60 this season. This year he turned 60 or has turned 60. I saw Dale when I went to Orlando recently. Um, and I said to Dale, it's flat out, like, what's going on here? And I can't give you the nuts and bolts of what he right, said. But I can tell you, Jamal really stresses it, emphasizes it all the time. And he, he said, he gives me a voice. That's all he had to say. He gives me a voice. The rest I can't repeat. But, um, boy, that's valuable. When, when you're the head coach and you are loving up your defensive coordinator and, and giving him a real voice, uh, you can hold your guys accountable more easily because yeah. you're you're prioritizing it. And so the Orlando is not fun to play against defensively at all. Nope. Yeah, they got Jonathan Isaac, who's making mm-hmm. a little bit of a comeback. You know, I don't know if he's there yet or not, but he's no, you know, he, at one point he was going to be the defensive player in the world, I thought. Yeah, yeah he's, no. he's, he's just he's come off a lot of injuries now. This is, look, you know, this is the key to winning, right? Coaches giving other coaches voice, not feeling insecure about someone stealing their job. Like all, all the things that are problematic that cause teams issues in this league, franchises issues because of all the various things we've talked about before. That's huge for Orlando. Yep. And, yep. you know, so for fans, when you're thinking about, all right, your team's kind of on the bubble, whether it be bubble for we're a playoff team for sure, but we're not quite a contender or we're at the plane. And if we got this person, we could be a playoff, a playoff team for sure. It's not necessarily always the flashy dude who scores 25 points a game like that. Yes. Helpful, but it could be someone like Goga, right? Someone who just understands. Now, if I'm here, I will help you win more possessions and that's how you win ball games. All right, guys. I I want to say this about, I want to say this about what you just said though. Um, I I agree with what you said. Uh, uh, In theory, I would argue that teams should build defense first because that's more about strategy Mm. and disposition and effort and caring, all that kind of thing. The truth is it's easier in high school and college where you play a lot less games. My guess is after 21 seasons of watching this uh, very closely, uh, it's hard to be that rallied up about defense when you just can't score. It's demoralizing. You can't yeah. stay competitive because you can't hold them to zero. It's not football. Right. And so I think when you when you just can't score, 
it's hard to muster up that required energy and mindfulness to play defense. So, um, but when in doubt, I do think that's the place to start. And Orlando's yeah. done a good job of that. So, yeah, so, so KC. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, we'll be back after this brief commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapist for my partner and I, and both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. Okay, David, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but think about this team and this player, SGA in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And when I watch him, I mean, Embiid for sure, although he's missed the last few games just because of, I don't even, an ankle, I think. Um, I would say Embiid's clear MVP right now, but David, SGA is number two on my ballot. Like, he is right there. The Thunder are playing outstanding. We talk, I think we mentioned two years ago he was walking the path, so it's not even about knowing and walking. He's like, when I, you know when, I, when you watch Jokic and it's like, can't speed him up, he's getting his spies, doing whatever he wants. That's what I feel like when I watch SJ. I'm like, you just, you're getting where you want, you're controlling the game. That mid-range, I'm like, dude, he's awesome at it. And when he's got to, he kind of does this thing where the game's going, you know, the team's winning, but when he has to kind of step on the gas and be like, okay, I've got to be the guy to score eight straight points now, I'm going to do it. And he does it. And to me, when you have that kind of mastery and control, not a whole lot guys can do to stop you. I mean, he's got, he can't shoot and doesn't, he's Dwayne Wade, you know, he's got, he's taller than Dwayne Wade, but he's got that same kind of ability just to go score and he can't shoot. It doesn't matter. When I say he can't shoot, I mean from the perimeter. From three. Yeah. Because he's a monster in the second box. He's got, uh, when, when players, when players that I'm talking to are using him as using, when players are using another player as an example uh, of something that people do, like you, it's got a, your brand. And so the so SGA's brand is the, is what they call the SGA bump, the Shea bump. Drive, lean in. Mm-hmm. Now everyone uses it. Fred VanVleet uses it. Jalen Brunson uses it. Most of the guys that use it can't out jump you, so they use their body to create space and they don't knock you over, right? Because that might be an offensive foul. Although in this league, not so much anymore. Um, the way they're calling it these days, SGA is tall and lean. And he gets that he's an underwear model for a reason, right? <laughs> so he just bumps you off a little bit. He's not going to knock you over with that. They know you're faking it because he's not hitting you that hard. And then he's got some size, just jumps over you. He can go to the rim all you want if you stay connected somehow. But he's also playing defense. Now it helps mm-hmm. have Chet. Yeah. Uh, have you guys done the pod yet with our data people? 
We have not. That'll be sometime next month in January, in the, in the new year. Um, I can't wait to hear. I don't know if I'll do it or not with you guys, but I can't wait to hear the explanation because I've always said, no matter what you're doing defensively, if the possession doesn't end with a miss, it almost doesn't matter what you're doing. And so the more good defensive players, defense players you have on the floor, the better off your metrics are going to be. Having a rim protector is the best thing of all because the worst way to, to, uh, to keep your defensive metrics up is to give up layups. Yeah, you just don't get them against Chet nearly as easily, which means you're not making as many. And so Bechet's defensive numbers are through the roof. Excellent. And uh, and everyone knows it goes through Shea. Yep. So he's got he, he's earned that. And uh, you know I've been saying for a year, two years, trade him. Uh, uh, but this is why they didn't. They I guess they felt like we're, we're you know this was the year. Um, I I'd like to see them go all in. I don't think they will. Which we can talk about. Yeah, we're gonna get but, to that uh, in a minute. Yeah, he's incre- he's, incre- he's an incredible player. And first team All NBA again for sure. Oh, right now, sure. right now. Yes, yeah. not even close. Um, okay, so we talked a lot of good things we've seen from rookies this year. Victor came in obviously is the most talked about hype prospect since LeBron James. Um, but if the rookie of the year race ended today, it is Chet, and I feel like it's Chet by a wide margin. Yeah. So my first thing always is, what if you flip flop those guys? Well, I was just gonna uh, say. Yeah, I think I don't think Victor shoots as well as Chet. No, not nearly. And, so, and that that's a factor. Yeah, that's a factor. He'd be even better than defensively, in my opinion, than Chet. Although that one good. year, OKC did a good. Yeah, Chet's terrific. OKC did a hell of a job with Chet the year he had off for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the weekly meals with his head coach probably doesn't hurt. Um, uh, but yeah, if Victor, like I, I think OKC would be maybe not quite as good. Which is a compliment to, Ch- to to Chet, but maybe maybe he, they would be. I mean, um, just from the Chet, sheer nature, Chet would struggle in San Antonio. Just from the sheer point of he, had, Chet has multiple people who can throw him a proper entry pass, just right right <laughs> off the bat. And San Antonio has nobody, so I mean, let's just start there. Yeah, like, well, they, they, yeah, they chose to play Jeremy, which is so weird. So right, so um, Chet, yeah, no, just playing awesome. Chet, Chet apologizes to nobody. He's making threes. Protecting the rim, finishing at the rim, has shown some ability to score beyond that. If he never does that, I mean, I call the Marcus Camby 2.0 for this exact reason. If nothing changes, he's a monster in the, on the glass and on defense and can make threes. Camby was Camby 1.0 because he couldn't make threes. Right. This guy can't. Yep. So he's exactly what I thought he would be, and he's got lots of room to grow. Right. He can get way better. So to your point, right, if you're OKC, look, it's very easy to fall in love with the fact that we have 8 billion picks. So we can always get young talent from here until the end of time. Okay, that's all well and good. But you have an MVP candidate right now, today on your team in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You are, what are they, third in the West? You're second. You're already in a position where we can make some noise and do something now. Because we don't know what's going to happen next year. What if somebody busts up their metatarsal? Right. Oh, well, that's too bad. You're out now. Like, So the future is great. I think they should. And it look, I know you think so too. We've talked about who we think it could be. So let's say they keep Chet. Chet's not Chet's not part of the deal. Chet's staying. So it's Chet SGA. What would be assuming you get rid of Jalen Williams and Lou Dort, right? Because the and a bunch of picks, I'm sure, because Lou Dort's salary will match someone of that caliber. Jason Williams, Jay Williams is incredible, and then you know whatever picks work to get those people happy. What do they need if you move? Dort and Williams off the starting five. A wing, obviously, but... I think we've talked... Maybe we haven't talked about it. I thought we had. Um, I think they need a go-to paint scorer. He doesn't have mm. to be a player at all. 
but he's got to be someone that gets you buckets in the paint in a way Chet can't. Uh, he's got to be someone that you, you're going to have to double, uh, uh, or, or he's just going to score really, really efficiently uh, because Chet's going to drag the five out. So we're talking about a, a power wing, power forward, power wing that can uh, uh, just outmaneuver bigger guys uh, or bully smaller guys. And so now if you got to double him, you're really fucked because Pascal Siakam. Shooters, I mean, he makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I don't think they're going to make a deal for one reason. Mm. That's what it is. No, what? I think, I think, and, and Sam Presti's done an amazing job. So this is not being negative about him. But it seems like most of these guys, most of the time, just want the longest runway possible to continue to make the money they make, uh, yeah. the lives they lead. And I understand it. I'm no better than anyone else. I can understand why people do it. Um, if you make a big trade and it doesn't go well, people are asking questions. So why not wait a year or two before they start asking the questions? If, if you don't grow into the contender, which they might anyway. I don't right. think they will. I still think they are missing that high-level score to play with Shea. I agree. It'd be the, the third wheel, so to speak. Not that, it, not that it couldn't be the MVP of a series. He could be, depending on how you guard the other two, right? Uh, Porzingis could absolutely be an MVP of a, a playoff series this year. Sure. Because the way they guard, so could Derek White or Drew Howard. Mm-hmm. Right? They're loaded. So, so um, And I think, I think they have, they have the, the, the thunder because of those picks can make almost any deal happen. They've got That's players. why I think they should do it. And they've got the picks. Uh, and they still are going to be fine for years to come. He's That's what young. I mean. Yeah, I agree. I'd like them to see him do it. I just don't trust that they will. But maybe they will. It's certainly Presti, possible. Sam Presti great. is built like a 15-year runway. Like, it's it's long yeah. enough that you can move off of some and still have a ton of picks in the future to get what you need. Uh, Pascal would make so much sense there. Now, imagine an SGA, Pascal, and Chet Holmgren. Now you're cooking with grease. I think like, they're okay. the favorites in the West and, and, and second only to Boston. If yeah. they did that deal, in my and I, as I've said this before, probably Siakam doesn't care if he's the second best offensive player. Doesn't he's care. already been he's that, already that on the North. title team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, he's won a championship, so there is a pedigree there as well. Um, uh, I, I, uh, and there's other guys too. I'm sure if I thought about it, just guys mm-hmm. that can really. You just have to look who's scoring in the paint. It's not about three point shooting because Chet gives them that right. at the five. Mm-hmm. Someone that can go get buckets or get to the free throw line, make their free throws. That can also be a plus defender. Doesn't have to be an elite defender. Be because you got check. Be a plus defender that can guard multiple positions. Where you can switch a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, someone like that. I think. I think they're the best team in the West, along with Denver. Yeah. No, I, I, I like it. So we'll see if 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 Presti decides to you know cut an inch off of that long runway that he's got. Um, David, I was thinking about the psychology of players throughout the long marathon NBA season, right? And you yeah. know, your famous phrase is always. Get off the, the roller coaster and enjoy the merry-go-round. Yep. Well, a team that is, I don't know what ride they're on right now, but it ain't a good ride. Down. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, they're, they're on Stop Man's free fall. And it's still, and it's just free falling. It's continuing. They're, it hasn't stopped they're, Yeah, no, they're uh, they're swimming on the surfboat out to the wave and the tsunami's coming. <laughs> you know? Because this is, it's only going to get worse right now for them. Oh, my God. Games. We're, of course, talking about the Detroit Pistons, losers of 27 in a row. And it's just, look, that's, I know it's not a happy locker room. I know it's not a happy coach's room. It's it's all negative feelings everywhere. And that can just get demoralizing. But then it made me think of two modes of psychology. What do you think the psychology is of the team itself? And then the psychology of the opponents coming in. Because 
while you know they're down 27 in a row or whatever it's going to be, you don't want to be the team that gets off gets them off the schneid and has that and has that victory. So let's start first with the Pistons. Where are where are they right now emotionally? I spoke to an NBA player last night who's very close with a, a Pistons player, and um, it's bad. Yeah, no surprise. Uh, the young guys are a little con- confused. You know, why if we're, it's about development, why are we playing less? Mm-hmm. Um, I have not looked at Oscar Thompson's minutes, but I need to because I'd heard that maybe he's not playing as much as he used to and, and chasing this win. Um, Kate Cunningham is blaming himself for some stuff, which is fine. Uh, I'm not sure how much Monty's blaming himself. Um, but you, they overpaid him tremendously. And uh, uh, I'm all for him making all the money he can make, but like you have to make wholesale changes. Um, there has to be uh, – these guys aren't being listened to anymore, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, when you, nobody in the NBA wants to be part of that record. And and they're going to have it until someone loses twenty eight or twenty nine or whatever they finally win a game. Um, it's it's so poisonous. It's so toxic. And so if uh, I have no sympathy for billionaires losing money, no, that billionaire should negotiate a buyout with Monty right now. And uh, and and uh, you know you have to pay them. But any voice, you can't lose more than you're not going to lose any more with somebody right. else. And you can pay that person a lot less. But you got to change the tone. Or you got to tell Monty, you got to do something different. I wrote about this a week ago. Mm-hmm. You got to change up everything. You know, the Raptors were terrible in uh, December. I think they were two and eight. And they finally changed, put a dentist shoot on the bench. And they washed in by 30 at, in Washington. Now it's Washington. Right. But there's no guarantee they're going to win that game. And they won by 30. They blew them out. It wasn't a competitive game. You got to make some changes. So whatever Monty can do, whatever he's been doing, do the opposite. Yeah. Or do something very different. Literally. And uh, so the psyche, terrible. Like, I just, the, these guys probably don't want to go to work in the morning, which is sad. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're, you're visiting teams now, right? It, it, it could be easy to kind of lull yourself into, oh, we got the Pistons on the calendar tonight. Win, <laughs> right? Like the, but then also, shit, we also don't want to be that team that, you know, breaks the streak and has them, you know, win, you know, win, win after 28 games. What's the psyche like as the opposing team coming in when you're playing the Pistons? So what the psyche is like compared to what it should be like, two different things. So what it should be like is what I'd be saying to teams is, man, no one's going to remember who they finally beat. No one's going to remember who was on that team. Like, stop putting that pressure on yourself. They're going to win a game. There's 29 teams they have to play still, I think, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they've played any team twice from the West. Maybe they have. Uh, if it's us, whatever. Let's just go beat their brains in because we're better than them. Like, stop putting in pressure. all that extra pressure. They have the record. We won't. Like, it's just a game for us. So there's no reason to, to undo pressure other than this is a, a game we supposed, we're supposed to win because we're better than them. And let's just outplay them for four quarters. So worry. What, the one thing I would say is teams that lose this much in a row find ways to lose games. <laughs> so uh, we don't have to be amazing uh, uh, until it matters. Right. Let's just fight. Bring the fight. That's an opportunity to have fun. And and get healthy and be and, and you know in terms of how we play, and if it turns out they play great and it's competitive, we're going to find a way to win. In the end, they're going to find a way to lose. That's what I would be I saying. Like it. No, I I love it. Yeah, well, they're going to have to turn some things around over there for sure because it's it's ugly times in Detroit. All right, David, our last top five of 2023 uh, before we head into the new year. <laughs> As usual, 
Well, you go first. Number five. Who's on your, on your five line? All right. So I cheat a little bit. Um, yeah, me too. A few different times. <laughs> it's the last one. I've got a tie at five because I'm, I'm not just looking at metrics mm-hmm. and and I'm, I've also got some personal bias. bias. And, uh, and so I've got a, an interesting combination of Denver at five with Minnesota. Denver, I know, is good enough to win a championship. Minnesota, I just don't trust don't them. Know. Mm-hmm. But I have to reward them for what they've done. So I got them together at number five. I love that. I not the Nuggets on the five line as well. I have them sharing with the Bucks on the five line. Um, Interesting. Denver, we should note, um, Aaron Gordon uh, got bit by a dog on Christmas Day. I'm assuming his dog. Um, and has. Oh, I didn't realize that's what it was. Yeah. So a bunch of stitches that he had to get and stuff. So he's oh, going to be shit. away for a while. We Look, we know Denver starting five is great. We don't. We still have concerns about their bench. So, well, guess what? Bench guy gonna have a ton of time to play right now, which Where could was be, he be beneficial. Part of his face, I think, oh, and Jesus. I think on his hand. Yeah. So yeah. he'll be able to run anyway. So be, so this yeah. could be a positive for them. They force yes. themselves their guys a little bit more. Correct. All right. Number four number for four. me is OKC. All right. Four for me are the Wolves. Um, I do have the same concern you have, right? I, I just Mike Conley's good. Rudy's good. Like and Ants, of course, exceptional, but. It's like that thing, right? We haven't seen them do it yet. And so we got to see like, but this is not whatever. We'll see what happens when that, when April rolls around. Yeah. I, I don't, it's not, to me, it's not so much. My job is to be able to see what people haven't seen. I, I just don't necessarily trust uh, them over the seven game series because of the makeup of the team. The fact that I'm not sure what they're going to do defensively in, in the postseason with Gobert and Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh Nevertheless, we neither of them have, have this top three, but metrically, I think they are. What are they? What are the EPM? They are. Got me to put second up right now. Yeah, they got to be right there. Second, they are. No, they're, they're fourth. Fourth in EPM. Okay, so, so we're right there. there. Oh, fifth, fifth, I, right there. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a tie at number uh, three. So hold on, that was five, four. That's mm-hmm. no three. I got Milwaukee. Okay, so three. I've I okay. They, they had a big win without Dame playing well. Mm-hmm. Middleton mm-hmm. had a big game. Yeah, that to well. me has been the question mark all along. Is I don't Let's, trust him, but he he's he's looking better and better. He's been playing well. Like he's just yeah. looking good. And so, as we said, that is the key. If he plays that level, then I think they're they're gonna be a, a contender to I still worry defensively, they look a little bit kind of leaking a little bit defensively, but for sure. Um, but I like that. Yeah, so I've okay see at three. Look, because of all the things we said, uh, Shea's been great, Chet's been yeah. great, Dignalt's coach of the year. If you if if you don't want to vote for Jamal yeah. Mosley, I, I like what they're doing. They're young and they haven't done anything yet as well, but you know this is not April yet. And then our top two is the same. Yes, um, but Philly, I think Philly's inching closer. There, I, I I really like what I'm seeing from Philly. Metrically, Boston and Philly have the best adjusted net margin by like a pretty good margin. Phil, uh, Boston's at like plus ten, Philly's like plus eight, and then everybody right. else is like plus five and and variations uh, under that. Look, uh, Embiid missed the third three games in a row. I think he didn't play Christmas. He didn't play the, the game after that. Um, you know, probably just a little ankle maintenance, whatever. I, I like the makeup of that team a lot. I know I wasn't sold in them early. You were, um, but there's I'm seeing great things. But again, they're gonna have to show it to me come playoff time. I know you can be a dominant early season. I've seen it three years in a row. Show me in April, and then Boston. That yeah. starting five is just too good. You know, you talked about this before. What and I, I was watching a game uh, that they played recently. The You have such an advantage when you don't have to double anybody. Like, it's just such a big – because you're not, you're not really stuck is. out of rotation now. No one's yeah. scrambling. It's, everything's and, fine. And also, when you have no bad offensive players. Well, and you have to guard everybody. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, and when one of those guys is Jason Tatum <laughs> and the other one's Jalen Brown, like it's it's really a problem yeah. when no one you can't leave anyone easily. Yeah. They're yeah. they're they're well built. Yeah. They are. All right, we're yeah. not leaving though until we hear I want to hear New Year's Eve plans. Oh well, New Year's Eve is such a for me anyway, like I'm you're gonna laugh. I'm too old for like going out on New Year's Eve. So we'll make a nice dinner. We'll crack open one of the lovely uh, Coach Thorpe bottles of wine. Nice. Um, we'll probably watch a movie. You know, we're gonna because yeah. No, we're, we're we're done. And besides, we're we're going on vacation like two days after. So you know. Oh yeah, yeah. you got it. Yeah, not party too hard. I get it. That's right. Keep I get it. Low. it. What All right. Um. So I've done everything on New Year's Eve. I've done the party scene. Yep. Done, uh, done I, I used to manage the sporting event, the Outback Bowl in Tampa. 11 a.m. kickoff. So so my day started at 5 a.m. So I would be asleep by 10. Because first of all, I was exhausted from two weeks right. of working. Running around. And, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, at 5 a.m., I'm already out the door. But I would get up at 4.30. And then once, we, once I left, I stopped and started doing strictly training and coaching in early 2000s. Um, we, we used to, when our kids when our kids were old enough, starting at the age of five, we got them, uh, we didn't let them play video games. We got, remember the game Wii? Mm-hmm. So we got Rock Band. The only game we bought was Rock, rock Band. Band. So we could do it as a family. That's so fun. And so that so we started a rock band. We did a rock band party with all of our friends and their kids. And that thing grew to, I'm not joking, 75 people would come to our nice. house. And and then at midnight, my kids started a thing where they jumped in the pool, which keep in mind, you know, maybe 65 or maybe right. you know, some some mornings it was definitely really cold, but normally not right. so bad. And um, and then that grew into a real raging party when our kids would go somewhere else for the night, just the adults. <laughs> And then the last few years, we last year went to we went to go see Duke play Florida State. So we were in mm-hmm. town, and so this year, my wife's going to travel with my daughter. I'm sending them away for an early graduation present for my daughter, and so they're going to go to Asheville, North Carolina, for a week nice. after the holiday. So I'm taking there's a there's a restaurant here you would love called the Black Pearl. Very very maybe ten tables or something like that, right by the water, right by where we live. Love it. V- uh, really special. And I just as we're talking, my my wife sent me a screenshot. I guess we have an expensive bottle of champagne. I'm sure it was a gift. I don't normally buy $140 bottles of champagne, but it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I can't even tell what it is. Um, and she wrote, let's pop this bad boy on New Year's Eve. So nice. I think we're going to go to dinner and walk around this cool area in downtown mm-hmm. Dunedin, it's called, and then we'll come back and drink some champagne. And I normally I like dance. It. I'll yeah, put music nice. on our stereo and just dance. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Nothing too bad. And just enjoy each other and just enjoy, you know, another year around the sun, right? Like, it's just, it's wonderful. We're, 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 we're very lucky um, that we get to do what we love and we get to hang out with people we love and enjoy. So that's what we'll be doing for New Year's Eve. A special thank you to all of our True Hoop listeners for rocking with us. I hope you all have a happy, fun, safe, healthy, prosperous new year. And we will see you guys in 2024. Take care.